0: There are things that you must build. There is, There are mindset shifts that must happen. There are um, things that we must do in order to prepare ourselves to move forward. We cannot attach ourselves to the belief that it has to be perfect in order for us to move forward. Action brings clarity. So you don't have to have it all perfect before you charge clients. In fact, if you're looking for that, I'm going to let you know that you are likely way behind where you could be today <laughs> because you're getting in your own way, right? Let's, let's not... Lean, um, lean into or aim for perfection first. Let's instead take some action towards what we actually want to accomplish. And through that action will come the clarity of which pieces actually take priority in order for you to feel really good and really comfortable and confident. But you don't need everything perfect in order for, for you to charge clients. No, you don't. <laughs> charge your clients and charge what your art is worth, okay? Welcome to the Hennapreneur Podcast, the exclusive podcast of its kind, dedicated to giving you an honest look at the realities of making a living as a henna professional. I'm your host Chelsea Stevenson, a tea-loving, shoe-collecting mother of three in constant search for the most poppin' pair of earrings and the perfect shade of red lipstick. I'm also a professional henna artist and business strategist who went from barely being able to piece together a fluid design to being the owner of the most celebrated henna boutique in my city. I'm on a mission to help henna professionals to harness their skills and grow vibrant, profitable businesses that they absolutely love. If you want to make more money with your art, you are definitely in the right place. Let's get to it. Hey, hey, Hennepreneurs, welcome back to another episode of the Hennepreneur podcast. Today I want to talk to you about five beliefs that you likely have that are keeping you stuck as a Henna professional. Okay, so what inspired this episode is I was really thinking back on conversations that I've had over the years with Hennapreneurs, aspiring Hennapreneurs, new Hennapreneurs, and um, some of the feedback that I get from them when we are talking about the headspace that they're in as new business owners. And oftentimes the feedback that I receive from them is very consistent. There are a number of Beliefs that come up, and these are what I would definitely call limiting beliefs. But these limiting beliefs also appear to be very practical, they appear to be very logical. And they're very much informed by prior industry culture. They're informed by a lack also of of understanding and knowledge around uh, marketing, around sales psychology. Um, a lot of these things are also things that we bring in with us, mental baggage, if you will, emotional sometimes even baggage that we bring in with us um, as we begin to start our businesses simply because we know the world through a certain lens. We are uh, socialized in a certain way. And oftentimes this way will will cause us to settle for less. To ask for less, to do less, to expect less of ourselves in terms of what it is that we can accomplish. And for better, for worse, primarily for worse, these things, <laughs> these things kind of seep into our business practices and they kind of seep into the ways in which we perceive our businesses and perceive our own capacity. And so uh, these beliefs, tricky as they are, are very, very common. And I want to shed some light on these beliefs because you may be in a place where these speak to you. You may be a newer Hedna artist who is just kind Of getting started, perhaps you've been doing henna for a while and you are just now um, beginning to treat your business like a business or or considering treating your business like a business. Um, Or this may even land for you if you are a hennapreneur who's been doing henna for a while, you have a decent client load, um, but you're just not happy, you're just not content with where you are in your business right now, and you're looking to scale. So, this shoe may fit regardless of where you are kind of in your henna journey. I'm interested to hear from you also what this sort of brings up for you. So, of course, as always. Um, After I run through these things, I'm going to make the invitation for you, of course, for you to join in to some conversation about this over on Facebook inside of the Hennepreneur community. If you're not already a member of the Hennepreneur community, yo, shout out to them. It's one of the best little corners of the internet. I may be a little bit biased, but I'm just saying. Um, come hang out with us over there on the Facebook group because we have lots of really delicious, juicy conversation about what it means to have a business as a henna artist. And I can anticipate that these sorts of beliefs are things that um, that many of our community members experience. And I want to help you all get unstuck from these, okay? So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right in, all right? So belief number one that is keeping you stuck in your henna business is that you've got to have it all perfect before you can charge clients. This comes up all of the time. And sometimes it's that the head an artist feels like they cannot charge, period. Or sometimes it's that they feel that they um, can charge, but they can only charge a very nominal fee. Perhaps they feel only comfortable charging uh, for tips. Or perhaps they feel only comfortable charging a very low rate. Because they don't feel yet that they have the makings of a business. They don't yet feel that they are qualified right to charge at a more premium rate. And I want to tell you that this is one of those beliefs that keeps people stuck at multiple levels inside of their business. So whether you're just getting started or you're someone who's been doing it for a while and you're ready to scale to the next level, you want to up your, you know, up your revenue, up your client load, etc., you may find that you are holding back from charging more, you're holding back from charging um, the rate that you would want to charge because you feel like you don't yet have the pieces in order. And listen, this makes sense, right? When we look at this through the lens of of logic and reason, you may feel like, well, if I don't yet have the perfect website, if I don't yet have the perfect technique, if I don't yet have the perfect branding, if my Instagram looks a little, you know... (laughs) A little DIY, right? Which is fine. You know, you have space to grow. But oftentimes we find ourselves in these places where we look at all the things that we don't yet have ready, that we would like to have ready. And then we project those expectations onto our clients or potential clients with this belief that because we understand that we're not where we'd like to be, that they also know that. And for that reason, we shouldn't charge. We're not allowed to charge. We're not allowed to ask for what our art is actually worth. And I want to caution you away from this thinking because here's the thing. Things are never going to be perfect. As you grow inside of your business, you're going to find that the things that you thought were perfect when you completed them, where you're like, yes, finally, I've got this done. I can check off that box. You're going to later on look back and be like, ooh, I need to up, I need to update that. I need to redo that. I need to rehash that. I need to rework that, right? Because as you grow in your journey and as your perspective shifts, you also are going to have this new insight available to you. You become more uh, prepared. You become more informed about what it is that you're actually doing, building. Wanting, right? Desiring to achieve. And as you aim to secure that bag, you're going to inevitably find places where you could improve upon the things that you once thought were perfect. So if you're constantly looking to reach quote unquote perfection before you can charge what you'd like to charge to your clients, friend, you're never going to get there. There will always be a reason for you to hold back. And actually, I love to introduce this shift of mindset, if you will, where what if I said, okay, Go ahead and in your mind mentally set yourself up. I'm going to be charging at X rate and charge that rate. And I want you to begin treating your clients right now as if you were charging at that rate so that you know that this is something that you're able to sustain. So, what would it look like for a business, you know, for your business, if you were to charge, let's say right now you're charging $15 for your smallest session and you want to charge $30 for your smallest session? What would that take? What is the difference that has to take place there in order for you to feel comfortable? Right? And I'm I'm often this just so that we can kind of get our wheels turning. Because then you can have a more clear sense of what is it that I actually need done in order for me to feel comfortable charging at that level. And you can begin to work towards that. But not just like, oh, I, I, I just don't feel good enough. Ooh. I hope that that didn't sting. I hope that, you know, I, I, I just don't feel good enough to charge that much. And then we don't have any sort of guidelines, any sort of guiding light, any sort of precedence set in order for us to actually move into that space, move into that feeling of feeling accomplished enough to charge. Now, this is the thing. Also, one of the things when you work with me, and I'm going to use the example of those, those entrepreneurs who have worked with me inside of the accelerator, because this is a very prime example of this. When you work with me inside of the accelerator, uh, the Accelerator is a 100-day program, right? And within those 100 days, we build literally everything for your business, right? So we start on the inside of your business. We set up all of the things around you know, your ideal client, getting your uh, marketing right, uh, having a very clear understanding of who it is that you're serving and how you're going to position yourself in the market so that you stand out from your competitors, all of the things that are necessary internally in your business. Then within the middle portion of the program, we switch gears and we look at the things that you're going to presenting outwards. So when you're working with me in that capacity, we build out a website for you, we build out your social media campaigns, we set up what you know what it is that you are going to be using to leverage your business, to pull on the different levers if you will that are necessary in terms of sales psychology to bring in very high quality clients, but all this is outward facing. And then in the third portion of the program, we turn it back again, bring it back to the internal, but this time through the lens of operations. So inside of our operations, you know, we set up all of your booking processes, We set up your contracts. We set up your terms of conditions, your policies, all those things around the way that you actually work with clients so that not only are you now attracting the right people and also you are presenting your business in the way that you want it to be presented in the marketplace, but also you've built out, by the time we're done, you've built out a complete business plan, one, and two, you've built out all of the internal infrastructure necessary to support your clients and support your business without dragging you and all of your time (laughs) through the mud and dirt, right? Like I want you to have a sustainable business. So giving you that context, right? My students that come and work with me inside of the accelerator, they go through this very rigorous journey. And as you can hear, there's a lot that's done within this hundred day process, right? And oftentimes what happens is the students will come in and they will be very excited to like, I wanna do all the things. I I wanna move to the next section. I wanna keep going, I wanna keep going. And I have, the accelerator is timed, right? You can access the next step within a certain amount of time, because there are things that you must build. there is There are mindset shifts that must happen. There are um, things that we must do in order to prepare ourselves to move forward. And so oftentimes when they first come into the program, they say things like, I'm, you know, I'm ready. I'm, I did all the homework. Can I move on now? And I'm like, no, <laughs> not yet. You're going to wait. And you're, this is what I want you to do in the meantime and and so forth. Right. And then once they start to get into the more, I'll call them more meaty parts of the program, where we're really in there with the nitty gritty, all of a sudden they will they will find themselves kind of caught up and they'll feel very cautious and uncomfortable when I start talking to them about this is what it takes for you to raise your rate. This is what it is for you to charge a premium rate. This is what it's going to take. And they, are going, they often feel like, oh, well, I have to get these things perfect. All of these pieces of homework that you're assigning me, I have to do them perfectly. If they're not perfect, I'm not going to be able to charge that rate. And it's like, no friend, no, I don't even want you to do this. And this is where it's so funny because here they'll be like, I need more time. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. We're moving to the next thing. We're moving on. We're moving forward. And I and I push them to move forward even when they feel that things are imperfect. But this, friends, is why. We cannot attach ourselves to the belief that it has to be perfect in order for us to move forward. We cannot attach ourselves to the belief that it has to be perfect in order for us to charge the things. Because guess what? Just as I'm explaining to you is likely um, something that you either have experienced or will experience, my students also experience this. Where later on in the program, as they're coming to the completion of the program, they look back and say, Ooh, I want to go back to module four. I want to go back to module five. I want to go back to my website. I want to go back to my social campaigns. I want to go back to my branding. And actually, I want to I want to tweak this. I want to change that. Because now with this new vantage point, with this new experience, with all of these new resources that are now available to them and this new knowledge, right, they can see where the imperfections lie and they're able to go in and, and make adjustments that feel really good to them. But they're doing that after they've already implemented And this is where I, I, you know, I I say this over and over and over again. And I really, really want you to hear me. Action brings clarity. So you don't have to have it all perfect before you charge clients. In fact, if you're looking for that, I'm going to let you know that you are likely way behind where you could be today (laughs) because you're getting in your own way, right? Let's not lean into or aim for perfection first. Let's instead take some action towards what we actually want to accomplish and through that action will come the clarity of which pieces actually take priority in order for you to feel really good and really comfortable and confident in doing the things right but you don't need everything perfect in order for you to charge clients no you don't (laughs) charge your clients and charge what your art is worth okay you know you're called to do henna this is what you're supposed to be doing You know you want to connect with people through this creative outlet to learn their stories and to use your skills to help them feel like their best selves with your adornment on their bodies. You know you want to bless the world with your art and you know you want to get paid well to do it too. So friend, why are you sitting on the sidelines settling for less when you know you're meant for more? If this is your calling, which let's be real, if you're here listening to me, it is, (laughs) then it's time for you to put your calling into action. And there are two ways that you can do that. You can either do it on your own and cross your fingers super tight that you'll figure out how to do it flawlessly, or you can sign up for the business bootcamp and have the support and guidance that you need to do it well from day one from someone who's already been there, done that, and built the business to prove it. If you're ready to call it quits on doing the side hustle shuffle and want to finally build the head of business that you can be proud of with your art... Then head over to hendapreneur.com/bbc. That's hendapreneur.com/bbc, and get registered for the next business bootcamp today. Seats are limited, and the next cohort kicks off soon. Visit hendapreneur.com/bbc and save your seat. The business that you've been dreaming of is only nine weeks away. Let's get started today. So, belief number two that is keeping you stuck in your Henda business. This one is gonna—it may ruffle some feathers. Are you ready? The support that you receive from your friends and family is not indicative, friends of the way that the market will receive you. And oftentimes, hennapreneurs come in with that expectation. They think, well, I'm going to launch this business. I'm going to start doing henna. And the first people that they shop that business around to are their friends and family. And one of two things happens. One, they, they may have friends and family that are incredibly supportive up front and then like very quickly kind of fade away. Or they'll have friends and family who are not that supportive, who like kind of give them like that... A little bit of a condescending, like, pat on the back. Oh, that's so nice. You want to make some money drawing on people? Ooh, so cute, right? (laughs) And they never actually come through. They never make a booking. They never, you know, suggest your business to other people in their networks. They never actually come out and support you in the ways that you would want to be supported. And then when the artist sees this and they're thinking to themselves, you know, well, if my friends and family... They're not really supporting me in a way that's actually revenue generating. Then they start to feel defeated. And they think, well, if my friends and family who are closest to me aren't aren't, uh, showing up for me in this way or don't believe in me in this way, is the market going to receive me just like that? And I'm here to be actually the, the bearer of very good news in that this is not so. The support that you receive from your friends and family is rarely indicative of how the market will receive you. The way that the market is going to receive you is entirely different. There's no amount of emotional attachment. They are not concerned about your well-being. They're not concerned about if you're going to fail. The market does not care. The market does not care. When it comes to the market, it is all about transparency. It's about you being ethical in your business practices. It's about the way that you treat your customers and your clients. It's about the way that you show up as a business and the values that you embody. And it's about making connection But that connection is not emotionally driven. And so because of that it's very easy for the market to assess whether they would like to do business with you or not. And they don't have any of the additional baggage that comes alongside of, you know, what a friend or a family member might be experiencing when they see you go into business. And this is the thing. This is not to demonize friends and family. It's just to kind of highlight that it is what it is. The truth is that friends and family oftentimes will engage you and engage your business very cautiously because they do care about you. They want to make sure that you're not hurt, right? They, want to make sure that you are safe. They want to make sure that your your feelings aren't hurt, that you don't fail, that you don't miss out, that you don't lose out on money, right? They want to make sure that you're safe. And because they want to be sure that you're safe, it's very common for friends and family to be even a little bit discouraging at times about what your big audacious goals are as it relates to your business because they don't want to see you suffer the pain of it not working out in the ways that you'd hoped and we can make space for that, and we can honor that for sure, right? And at the same time, that is not anything that's on the mind of your potential buyer, your potential client, right? They don't care about that. All they care about is, can I find a head artist who is a great fit for me, who's going to offer me wonderful service, who's going to treat me well, and who I'm going to be very happy working with before the appointment, during the appointment, after the appointment boom like that's that's what they care about and so if you are concerned about the fact that you know friends and family aren't hyping up your business in the ways that you'd like or they're not showing up for you they're not booking with you oh my gosh i i recall a particular student of mine who was very very offended Because her cousins were, one of her cousins, was who she's very close with, one of her cousins was getting married. And um, the family chose to hire a henna artist outside of their family. They chose not to hire her. And it was not because she was, you know, she was invited to the wedding and they were concerned about her time. No, they chose another artist because that's what they wanted to do. And, and friends, this, you know, this was very hurtful for her. She was very offended by this. She's like, you know, I've been doing Henna for Our Family for so long. You know, they, 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 they love to, they love for me to do it when it's free, basically, but they were not going to be willing to pay her. And this is the thing. This is why we also need to know when we're going into marketing our business and building our business out. This is part of why we talk about ideal client first, right? Whenever you come to work with me in any capacity, whether it's in the accelerator, if you're coming to work in the business bootcamp, if you're coming to, um, you know, to work with me in a VIP day, it doesn't matter. The first thing that we address is who is your ideal client? Right. Because your ideal client has to be willing and able to pay you. And if they're not willing or able to pay you, then they should not even be on your radar. And this is a prime example. Right. While she has this, you know, these these family members who really, truly she should have. Well, we could use the word should here. She should have been at the top of their list of, you know, we would have loved to hire you. And perhaps the only excuse that they could have given would have been, you know, well, we didn't hire you because we want you to be able to enjoy yourself, you know, as we're planning this wedding and as we're participating in all of the um, ceremonies and traditions and things that, that run alongside of the wedding. But that was not the case. They did not wish to pay her rates. So they chose to hire someone else, right? And of course, this is very offensive. This was very offensive to her. And at the same time, I had to remind her, friend, look, that is not your ideal client, right? And so we cannot at all be pressed on what our friends and families think about our business and think that that is any representation of what the market itself is going to do because it's simply not. It's simply not, (laughs) all right? So let's keep the two separate if you can in our minds um, and in our, you know, in our headspace you know, as we're building our business, if you're concerned about whether or not you can be successful because you're not receiving the support that you would look for from your friends and family, I want you to know that that is not a very good indicator. And to just let that, let it go. Let it roll off of your back, okay? They, these are likely not going to be the people who are going to support you enough to support your household or support your bills or support whatever those goals are that you have. But the market will, the market will if you do what you need to do uh, to do right by the market. Okay. So moving on, belief number three that is likely keeping you stuck in your henna business is that keeping your rates affordable is the best way to bring in more clients. And this, friends, oh gosh, I could harp on this all day and I'm going to choose not to. <laughs> going to choose not to. Because it really, um, this is something that if you get it, you get it. And if you don't get it, well, more power to you. Eventually, you'll come to a place of burnout. You'll come to a place of stress. You'll come to a place of uh, being tired of dealing with the same ridiculous clients who do not value you or your time or your art. And eventually, you'll wake up to what I'm saying. And you'll come back and you'll say, hey, Chelsea, you were right about that. I should have raised my rates a long time ago. But this is the thing. If you choose to keep your rates affordable. And that is the only thing that you are hoping is going to set you apart inside of the market. And that is going to be the best way for you to bring in more clients. I hope that you are going to be very comfortable with the idea of settling for bottom barrel clients as well. And when I say bottom barrel, I'm, this is, listen, this is not even a judgment on, it's not a judgment on your clients per se, but it is a very well documented trend in the marketplace that those that are looking for um, the cheapest rate are often not the most responsible, respectful, uh, high quality clients either. And you can see this just about anywhere. I mean, we could talk about it through the lens of literally any business type. We could talk about it through the lens of going to a gas station, going to like the very cheap, like corner store type gas station versus going to like a Wawa's or a Sheet's, you know, something that's a little bit more higher tier, if you will, uh, gas station. You can think about this through the lens of just like clothing, right? What's the experience when you go in? into a Walmart to pick out a shirt versus you going into like a designer boutique to pick out a shirt, right? You have a very different experience when you go into Payless shoes than when you go into Christian Louboutin. To get shoes, right? Like the, the product is in many ways the same, though of course you know there's a difference when we come to talk about quality and, and experience and all of these things, right? That, that would set one brand apart from the other. And yet, at the end of the day, you're still buying gas. You're still buying shirt a shirt. You're still buying shoes, right? The experience, though, is different, and the type of people. When you think about the experiences that you have as a consumer, the type of people attracted to one brand versus the other is very different. That space, that environment is very different from if you are going and shopping at more of these higher level, you know, more refined, we can say brands, right? So if you are keeping your rates affordable, I hope that you are also anticipating attracting a certain type of client, which may or may not be agreeable to you. I know for me I have zero interest in dealing with clients who um are not respectful of my time, who are disrespectful me, to me in general, right? Or who are uh, not mindful of me and my uh, and my well-being. Let me tell you what. It's so interesting. Um even just the, through the lens of, you know, how how someone engages you as a human being, right? It's very rare for me not to go to work, okay? Incredibly rare for me not to go to work over the past you know, decade of being a professional, I have canceled clients because of, you know, illness or because for whatever reason, not being able to go to work. Fewer times than I can count on one hand. To be honest, it's very hard for me to even think of a time that that actually took place. However, it did happen to me at the end, towards the end of last year, um, there was something that happened and I suffer from both anxiety and depression. I cope with these um, on a regular basis. I've been, you know, I've been open about this in the past, but you may not have known that about me. So as someone who experiences both anxiety and depression, um, I had actually been doing really, really well. Um, But there was something that happened towards the end of last year that kind of it, it just got me, it got to me. And, um, I was dealing with anxiety really, really, uh, badly, actually really badly. And i felt things start to kind of culminate and I felt them kind of like reach ahead. And, uh, finally it came to a point where I had like, I had an episode, <laughs> I had an anxious episode and I had to, um, I had to cancel my clients for that evening. I couldn't do it. And um I remember reaching out to my clients and letting them know those those clients that were scheduled for me that evening and letting them know um you know I'm not going to be able to come in. This is why I'm having an issue. <laughs> and I did share with them what that was. Um and I'm, you know, I'm very sorry for this inconvenience. Um I have refunded you for the amount for your session. I let them know what the processes were, et cetera, for them to know what to expect next from me. And never, never was I met with anything but Oh my goodness! Thank you for letting me know. I hope that you're like I hope that you feel better soon. Is there anything that I can offer you? Like take your time. Don't worry about it. This is like my my clients met me with such compassion. It actually moved me to tears because I, of course, uh, being on the edge of that anxious you know, in that anxious headspace, was very concerned also about what are they going to think about me? What stories will they make about me? What are they going to feel? You know, uh, how would they feel? If you have any uh, experience with anxiety, you already know (laughs) what a rabbit hole that can be, right? And yet to be met with such compassion and such care, um, it really shows you also the type of people that I'm working with. Right. The type of people who engage me, the type of people who who I attract inside of my own business. And I share that with you because I want to liken that to another experience, which is not an experience that's my own, thank goodness. But this is actually an experience that I heard uh, from a entrepreneur. She's not a student of mine. She's someone actually who reached out to me in a DM on Insta, on Instagram, and she was sharing with me how um, she had a family emergency and she couldn't, she wasn't able to make her appointments. And what's interesting is you'll notice I um, mentioned that I would refund my clients when my clients book with me. They pay in full at the time of booking. So they could be booking for months out in advance. Doesn't matter. They're paid in full at the time of booking, right? So um, her processes are are not like so. So these are clients who she ended up canceling because she did, and she did have a very legitimate family emergency, which she shared with me. And I would have in her shoes had to have canceled those, those appointments as well. Absolutely. Um, So it, it was a very reasonable um need of hers to cancel her clients. And those clients were not paid in advance. They were just kind of, you know, they were penciled in based on the process that she had at that time. And um and she reached out because she was very distraught. And she said, I, you know, I I had these clients. I had this thing come up. I couldn't see them. I told them I was gonna have to cancel. And then the the potential clients, I guess we could say, um, they dragged her. They dragged her. There were a couple who did not say anything, like didn't respond, like were like, okay, basically, and like didn't give her any like just a very whatever right that it's that sort of energy but then there were two other clients that that dragged her and I do mean I mean dragged her one of them made a post on social media about her um talking about how she was unreliable and how you know she canceled last minute and blah 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 and the other was just very very mean to her very rude and harsh with her um in a private message and she you know the the difference between our businesses, very much, my clients they're they're paying me these premium rates. These are this is a different type of client. It's a different type of experience. Whereas the clients that she was seeing, and I did ask, you know, what was, I mean, are we talking about like a bride here, especially with this client that that did this dragging right online, you would think, um, for them to be so upset, it may have, it must've been something much more significant. Perhaps they were getting a bridal henna done or, um, they were getting, you know, henna done for a photo shoot, something that was like very, very significant. And so I did ask her, you know, what were the details around this one that's really going off over here? (laughs) Like, you know, what, what's happening? And, um, and it wasn't, it was a little, it was just like an everyday appointment. If there was no significance here, there was nothing you know this was not an emergent in a situation right but this tells you you know you know for her to be charging these these lower tier rates she's attracting a certain type of, of client who also feels entitled who also feels like they can say whatever they want do whatever they want and really did not have any any amount of personal investment in her or concern or consideration for her um so I share that with you because oftentimes when we think about keeping the rates affordable, being the best way to bring in clients. We're only thinking about it from a dollars and cents perspective, as if to say that the only reason that people purchase the thing is because the price is right. And that's not true. And for the people who that does apply to, these are likely people that you actually don't want to be doing business with anyway. And so I offer that to you as a little bit of insight um, to hopefully shift that mentality because oof, oof, if you're hanging out there. Not only are you likely selling yourself very short um, from the dollars and cents perspective, but also just in terms of the experience that you're having with your clients, it's very likely that you are are actually not having the best best time or the time that you could be having if you would just raise your rates and charge, um, even if it's not premium, but charge at a very uh, respectable wage, okay? Because the price that you set also tells a story about you and about your business. All right, so let's move on. So reason number four, right, the fourth belief that's keeping you stuck in your head of business is that you should wait until you have a, slight, a solid client load before you invest in your business. Now, this, friends, I wish that people could just hear me on... <laughs> wish that y'all would just hear me when I say it. Many times, entrepreneurs come in with this thought that, well, I will, I'll invest in my business once I'm making a certain dollar amount per month. I'll invest in my cl- in my business once I am making, or you know, once I have a certain number of clients seeing me regularly. And I want to caution you away from that. The reason why is the more you build your client list, the more you are Treat, you're teaching your clients to treat you in a certain way. You are educating your market about the way that your business operates. And the more you uh, do that, the more you set that tone, later on when you do begin to invest in your business and you begin to make shifts in your business that are going to allow for it to be more profitable and more sustainable, more smooth moving, Right you then are going to have to re-educate all of those clients. And many of those clients that you do bring in without having had the prior knowledge, they likely are not going to stay or they likely are not going to like what you're doing right and i say this because many times entrepreneurs will come in and they'll build their businesses and they will not have um, marketing i'll talk about marketing specifically here because this honestly is where i find the, the the most issue when it comes to marketing or the operations of your business oftentimes when we come in as head artists we lack education in these in these arenas and we kind of just start winging it we wing it or we try to pick bits and pieces off of what people are saying in facebook groups or what so-and-so said on Instagram, or maybe you're catching gems that I'm dropping here on Entrepreneur podcast or, you know, things like this, which is great. And it's good for us to do as much as we can with the knowledge that we have, right? At the same time, if you are only operating with the little bits that you know, it's very likely that you're making some pretty solid mistakes. And so when you're making these mistakes and you're you're reiterating and you're reinforcing these mistakes with your clients on an ongoing basis, once you reach a place where you're able to afford, quote unquote, afford, and I, there's a, these are heavy air quotes, friends, um, that you can afford uh, to invest in your business. Once you start to do the, once you start to make those investments, it's very likely that you will have um, attracted and begun to nurture and sustain a client, a client load that actually is not full of your ideal client to begin with, and who will likely bail on you. Once, once you are ready to make the transition into a more uh, serious uh, more serious nature, right? To really treat your business as a business. And so this is why I suggest that you don't actually wait until you have a very large client load. I, I do not suggest that you wait until you're making a certain amount of revenue to invest. Um, on the contrary, I would make the suggestion that you begin investing early. Invest early in your business. Allow investment to consistently be a part of your process as your business grows. So that you can be making the right steps at the right time rather than making the wrong steps and then having to go back and fix them and adjust them and then feeling defeated when these, Wrong fit clients drop off as you start to make the shifts into the right direction for the the more profitable t- trajectory. Okay, um, so invest early, friends. Invest early. If you're earlier on in your business, if you're like a beginner, 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 right, and you really, you, you know, you need to learn how to roll cones and how to prepare henna and how to get started with design, right? Something like mixology and basic design, wonderful investment, right? And you can go on the entrepreneur website. And check out Mixology Basic Design. There's a free... Um training that I have for you, the five biggest mistakes that new henna artists make and how you can avoid them, right? Um, That's at hennapreneur.com slash biggest mistakes. Like go check out the training, get the, invest the time, invest the money, learn the things that you need to learn at this stage in your business so that you can start off on the right foot. If you're a little bit more advanced and you're actually building a business, you're like in the first throws, those early throws of of correcting your business, getting your business right, come into the business boot camp. right? Hennapreneur.com slash BBC. We run these regularly. Once you join a cohort coming to the cohort, we'll work together for it's three months total, but it's a nine-week period, right? Three weeks of class and one week off, then three weeks of class and, and repeat. And um and inside of that, like you will will build the things that you need to build. We'll talk about design. We get you, a, you know, your signature design formula. We talk about the business, the marketing of it all. How to um you know attract the correct clients. How to set your right rates. How to uh, position your messaging in the marketplace. And we talk about operations, right? How are you going to manage your finances right because once you make the money then what do you do with it Well, how do you do it? You know, what do you do with this money so that it can be sustainable, um, and so that you can take care of the things that you need to take care of as a business owner? We talk about self care. We talk about personal boundaries. We talk about the things that you need to have in place in order for you to uh, grow and move forward in the correct ways, right? And then, if you are ready to move forward after that, then we can talk about the accelerator, right? And where you can really go in deep dive in your business, spend those hundred days together, and just like totally transform what you've got. I mean. There are resources available. And I share this to say, you know, there are. There are resources available for you at every stage of your business. So invest, (laughs) invest where it makes sense. And if at any point you ever have any questions about what resources I have for you here at Entrepreneur and how it might fit in with what you're doing right now, just send me a DM. Like I'm literally a DM away, okay? So, but don't wait. Please don't wait. Invest early and invest frequently, all right? All right, and then our final, our final belief, that's keeping you stuck in your henna business is that you have to work festivals or you have to do bridal to make a solid wage as a henna professional. And this is something that I have been harping on for literal years, literal years. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't until the 2020 COVID pandemic that people started to pay attention to what I was saying. When all of the festivals shut down and when no one was able to go and work public events and when everyone was stuck in their houses and and wanting to try to just do a little something one-on-one with their clients, they weren't able to do it. Why? They lost all of their revenue. Oh my gosh! I, you don't have to raise your hand, friend, because uh, it's very likely if you've been doing henna for a while, this applies to you, right? You were counting on festivals that summer, and everything got shut down, and boom, there you go. There's the majority of your revenue lost, gone. And so people decided, you know, I, well, I want to go back to work, but I also don't want to work these large events, and also I don't want to do bridal work. I'm not interested in bridal work, or that's a skill set that I don't have, or I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not called to that. I don't feel called to that, and. Friends, I'm telling you, you don't have to do either one. If you would like to build a henna business that's sustainable, one that is thriving, and one that also allows for you to feel really good and to have time available to you, you can do this on the back of small private appointments. This is something that I teach my students. When you come and you work with me, I am not going to tell you you need to sign up for six million festivals. I'm not going to tell you you need to have five brides every week. If those are your goals, great. But that is not the business model that I teach because it's unsustainable. Even if you are a festival artist and you love festivals in and out and in and out and you would do them year after year, wonderful. But guess what? How many years is it going to take before that takes a physical toll on your body? How long is that going to take before you are going to burn out? right? Like, those of us who've been doing festival work, and don't get me wrong, I love some festival work, but I never count festival work as the basis of my income. Festival work is vacation money. Festival work is I want those shoes money. Festival work is that's for fun money. That is never I need to pay my mortgage money. Why? Because festivals are unreliable, okay? As much as we like to believe otherwise, they're not reliable. And even if you're doing something like bridal work, where that's not to say that bridal artists are, you know, cannot make a solid wage. Absolutely. You can make a wonderful wage anytime you specialize, whether that's bridal, whether that's prenatal, whatever, whatever that that specialty is going to be for you. And I do suggest to my students that they do select a niche and that they hone in on that niche. And, but and it's not necessary for you if you want to make a solid wage. My students learn my proprietary pricing method that's, that allows for them to make a solid wage on 30-minute appointments, 15-minute appointments, hour-long appointments. So for example, one of the entrepreneurs inside of the program, she's an Accelerator alumni. she uh, shared with me on our most recent coaching call that um, one of her uh, wins for <laughs> one of her recent wins was that for the month of April, she worked seven days. Listen to what I'm saying, friends. She worked seven days in the the month of April and cleared over $3,000 in cash, right? Using all of her skill sets. I'm like, friends, this could be you. Like, you don't have to be a bridal artist. You don't have to be a festival artist in order to make solid revenue. All right. So I want to encourage you to get away from that mindset. If you're thinking that this is what's necessary for you to have success as a entrepreneur, I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. And that with some really solid business strategy in in place in your business, you can be making very a very respectable living wage, doing what you love, and without running yourself dry dry, out in the elements, out in the sun whatever, or tied to bridal events that are, you know, hours on end and very taxing on your body. No. So, okay. So there you have it. Our top, well, these are just five beliefs that are standing out to me. I don't know if they're the top beliefs, but they're the beliefs that stood out to me. These five beliefs that um that are keeping you stuck in your henna business. And I hope that you take away from these something that will um be a shift for you, right? So that you can get out of your own way, so you can get unstuck, right? And so that you can begin to move forward towards securing the bag, you know, those big ass goals, those big audacious goals that you have. All right, I am interested to know Which one of these stood out to you? Which one of these is calling you? Which one of these was you? Were you like, dang, Chelsea, why do you have to say it to me like that? Why are you so loud? If so, come to the Hennepreneur community over on Facebook and let's talk about it. Tell me about what's been keeping you stuck and where the aha moment was for you as you were listening to this episode. You can join us over in the Hennepreneur com- uh, community on Facebook, Hennepreneur.com slash community. You can find us there if you haven't already joined. Um, and yeah, I look forward to talking to you soon. Bye-bye for now. Hey friend, I just want to give you a quick thank you for tuning into this episode of the Hennepreneur podcast. And I hope that you're really enjoying connecting with me this way. You can find links to all of the content shared today in the show notes located at hennepreneur.com podcast. If you enjoyed the show and would like to stay in the loop with Hennepreneur, be sure to subscribe to the podcast too. You'll get access to all of the new episodes and to surprise bonus episodes as well as soon as they're released. I'd be so grateful to you if you'd take a moment to rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts as well. This helps me to reach more artists like you who would love and benefit from the show. For more ways to connect and work with me or to join me inside of the Hendapreneur community, pop over to Hendapreneur.com. I can't wait to support you as you chase your big audacious goals one Henda design at a time.